Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates and ready to go. Hot Mike with Under with Row underway. The Thursday edition is here. Chad will let you know that the weekend has arrived. Oh, yes. Here we are. Congratulations, everyone. You made it. We made it, Hutton. We have. Football tonight, Thursday night football. Titans on the road taking on the Steelers. We'll break that game down throughout today's show. Uh, jam packs as we kick things off. Uh, Trey Wallace will join us in 20 minutes. College football reporter for Outkick. He joins us each and every Thursday in the first hour of the program. Armando Salguero, also of Outkick, covers all things National Football League. He'll be with us in hour number two. And Ryan Leaf jumps in the mix in hour three. Chad, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Hutton. Big show ahead. Yes, uh, we'll uh, dive into the top headlines, uh, and it, we lead off with uh, the, the passing of the legendary Bobby Knight, uh, who died last night at the age of 83. Uh, complicated is the best word I can use to describe Bobby Knight. Chad, you and I were growing up as Knight was still at Indiana, and you know I vividly remember being in my own basketball locker room, and guys would you know, debate whether or not they would want to play for him or someone else uh, based on how grueling uh, it sounded like things were behind the scenes versus what you saw play out on TV. But one thing's just simply undeniable. Uh, legend in terms of the X's and O's of college basketball. One of the best ever. And we won't see another one like Bobby Knight, who uh, passes at the age of 83 uh, but in his time with three different programs, Army, Indiana, and Texas Tech, over 900 wins and leaves a, a legacy of a guy who just did it his own way. Wasn't touchy-feely. You were going to graduate, and you were going to abide by the night rules at IU. He was Indiana basketball, and uh, there's been an outpouring of stories uh, reflection from former players, coaches, and, and others, uh, both good and bad, with the news that came down last night. But you, you think about the success of IU, and you think of Bobby Knight, who uh, really just, uh, in thinking about how he rubbed people the wrong way, a lot of times, Chad, it was on purpose. Because that's just his mentality, yeah. and you were going to do it his way if you stepped foot on the floor. Well, you could have a problem with the method, but you could not argue with the results yeah. with Bob Knight. And I'm not talking about just wins and losses. I'm talking about graduation rate, success rate of his players when they go out in the real world, even when they don't play in the NBA. Um, not nope. cheating. Exactly. Uh, not just you know graduating, but thriving in the classroom. Ace in our YouTube chat says Nick Nolte was heavily influenced by Bobby Knight in the film Blue Chips. Blue Chips, one of the more underrated sports movies of all time. Yeah. He's absolutely right. Bobby Knight has, uh, has a walk-on appearance and a cameo in that movie as himself also. And the thing about Nick Nolte's character Pete Bell in Blue Chips is 
the fact that he sacrificed his moral code of cheating that season in the movie and then had to fess up in the end with everything they did to lure the big-time recruits. That was anti-Bobby Knight. That absolutely would have been Bobby Knight's mentality. Never cheat. Never cheat the NCAA. Play by the rules. Play it fair. Don't cut corners. Work hard. Outsmart. Outwork. Outtough the opponent. That was Bobby Knight. And I know John Feinstein will never be a guest on our show again, and he was for a long time, and that's fine because I think John Feinstein's still one of the best sports authors of all time. I highly recommend reading A Season on the Brink by John Feinstein. Still my favorite sports book ever, and it details one season with the Indiana program and Bobby Knight. And it's a great biography of Bobby Knight. It goes back into his history and then pivots back to the present day with that team, and you get a lot of insight into the man and the coach. He was brilliant. He was a tactician. He was a man who had more interest than just basketball. He loved to fish. He loved to hunt. He loved to read, mostly not about sports when he was reading. He could engage in intelligent discussion and debate about any topic you wanted. And there's a lot of talk about the dichotomy of Bobby Knight, him being complex or or complicated. I think he was a stubborn egomaniac. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's a narcissist at times. I, I think he had a heart. I think later in life when you see him cry as much as he did on camera talking about stuff, the man cared about people, cared about things. I think deep down he had a guilty conscience about things, but he was stubborn to his core. And I think that stubbornness is what got him in trouble more often than not. But looking at his impact on the history of sport, specifically the sport of college basketball, there's not many better then Bobby Knight, you can argue he's right up there with the greats all time, and his impact on the game and that iconic red sweater that whenever we mention Indiana basketball, you're going to think about, that will live forever. Well, and the, the you know two things also that pop up just hearing you chat about this. Number one, he was able to reconnect with Indiana uh, prior to his passing. That because there was a huge grudge that was held there. Yeah. Um, I think that's important. February 2020, I think, was his return to a game uh, right right before everything hit. And but that was his make that was his amends, right? Yeah, that was yeah. him. You know, waving to the crowd and and getting the people pumped up and being walked in by former players. And, and you mentioned the history. Uh, the it, it it's crazy to think that Mike Shashevsky played for him at Army. Isn't that nuts? When you consider like the, the history of the sport and Coach K passing him on the all-time wins list and doing it after playing for him in his first stop where it was, what, six seasons, I believe, as the head coach at Army to get his start? Nuts. It still blows my mind considering how both careers ended up playing out. One thing's for certain, though, and anyone that played for him or coached with him um, or became a coach after playing for him, the X's and O's, the tactician, uh, the intellect of the game, there's no one better. And Chad, you, you nailed it. Did it without cheating. Which, think about today's college landscape and doing that. It's, it's yeah. You can do it and not it, even it be penalized. Be, Just ask Bill Self. I don't think it's impossible, but it's hard to fathom having that level of success. And hey, he's still the last guy to have an undefeated national championship team. 1976. Indiana Hoosiers, last time that's ever happened. There's some great stories about, um, about Bob Knight coming out. I, I would 
absolutely, we're going to play one testimony from one of our friends and someone at OutKick that you need to hear that knew him as well as anyone and worked with him as long as anyone else. Um, Jay Billis wrote an amazing obituary for Bobby Knight at ESPN.com. I've gone through and read a bunch of these. That's my favorite one. And he, I think the title of it is, I love the Bob Knight I knew. Uh, is, and he explains the relationship with Coach K and how that was a point of contention and how that their relationship kind of framed Jay Billis's life and saying, if I like someone, I'm not going to let anything else stop me from liking and respecting them. I'm not going to let something petty get in the way of that. And that's the lesson he learned from that whole deal where, you know, once again, Bobby Knight was being stubborn. Uh, about something with, with Coach K, who absolutely admired the man and looked up to him and, and, and looked at him as his mentor and would not want anything to do with him for, for years and years. So a cautionary tale with that. There's a lot of good stuff out there, though, a lot of good testimonials. I saw one from Kirk Herbstreet talking about having lunch at Tzatziki's in Green Hills here in the Nashville area when Bobby Knight was in town to call a Vanderbilt game. Hmm. And Reese Davis brought him there. Reese Davis had to go prep for the game. Bobby Knight wanted to stay and talk with Kirk Herbstreet. They had never met before. Stayed for three hours at lunch. And that Bobby Knight, because Kirk Herbstreet's dad went to Ohio State with him, kind of felt a kindred spirit uh, with his dad and his family and how nice it was to just sit and talk about life with Bobby Knight. So many cool things come out. Unfortunately, it's at the end of someone's life when you hear these things quite often. But Bobby Knight, I, I'm an unabashed Bob, Bob Knight fan. Always have been, always will be. I, I understand the temper. I understand the reasons people may have to not like him. I love the man. Always have. I've always been fascinated by him, Hutton, and he's a guy that if I were ever good enough to play for Bobby Knight, I'd sign up for it in a heartbeat. Well, it was an honor if you were recruited by him, just period. Yeah. You know, um, it, he, his one regret, his biggest regret was not with, with Larry Bird. It's like I should have gone to his – met with him privately. Uh, that was the one he always pointed back to. But, the yeah, if, if, if well, uh, Dan Dockich and others, uh, if you didn't enjoy it in the moment, you ended up loving it looking back on it, your time there. Yeah. So it will – We'll dive further into this as the show progresses. But yeah, uh, uh, rest in peace. Bobby Knight, uh, dead at the age of 83. Chad, there was a, a coaches meeting, a, a teleconference between Tony Petiti and Big Ten coaches. And news comes out that there are some that are asking for Petiti and the conference to step up and do something about Jim Harbaugh's program at Michigan. What, so, what detail have you uh, have you picked out from what has been reported that you point to the most and that's most telling about the direction that we're headed with this story? Well, Pete Thamel at ESPN, a great job with this reporting. So the video call happens, and it's with all the Big Ten coaches. And I guess this may be kind of a regularly scheduled thing that they then ask Jim Harbaugh to leave so they could discuss the Michigan issues and they could do so freely without Jim Harbaugh on the call. And this was the 13 other Big Ten coaches. Words matter here in this report, okay? Um, the quote is, a vast majority of Big Ten coaches express their frustration. I've been consistent with this. It's going to take more than a vast majority. It's going to take everyone. It needs to be unanimous. Every single Big Ten coach needs to stand on the table demanding Tony Petiti act and act now. I don't think a vast majority is going to get it done. Everyone's got to say that this is crazy and you must act and show some strength right now because we're all pissed off. Um, Tony Petiti, uh, according to the coaches, 
very politely listened to everyone, asked some questions, but did not really hint one way or the other which way he was leaning on all of this. Um, collectively, the coaches want the Big Ten to act right now. What are we waiting on? We know what happened. That's a direct quote in quotations from Thamel's report by an unnamed Big Ten coach. Um, this is the one that gets me, Hutton. A couple things here. Coaches use words like tainted, fraudulent, and unprecedented, all words used on the call, to describe Michigan's sign-stealing scheme. Much of the call, according to sources, was coaches explaining to Petiti both how it worked and how it impacted them personally and their programs. Both in-person opponent scouting and using electronic equipment to steal signals are not allowed by the NCAA. Now, here's an interesting stat. In the three years that Connor Stallions left a paper trail of purchasing tickets to games of Michigan opponents, the Wolverines have gone 33-3 overall, 22-1 in the Big Ten. In the prior three years, they were 21-11 and 16-8. Sure, a lot of factors go into those records. Players, other coaches, everything else. But much like when we talk about South Carolina against Tennessee and Clemson, and then South Carolina and every other game under Shane Beamer, something's up. Maybe it's a crazy coincidence because we don't have proof. But I'm looking at this, and we have proof of Connor Stallions, and I'm thinking, that's a pretty extreme swing in win-loss record when they knew if it was run or pass. There's video now of Michigan-Ohio State where Connor Stallions is saying run right into Jesse Minter's ear, and you see the, the call come in and Michigan's defense go right to the right, two safeties, attack the play and stop it against Ohio State a year ago. But Hutton, if something's going to happen, I'm still reluctant to say that it will because that vast majority, quote, needs to become everyone. It's got to be unanimous with every other coach if Tony Petiti's ever going to think about acting. And even then, he might not do anything. I wonder if vast majority just means that, that whoever's speaking to Thamel or anyone else about this after the call, if they're saying the vast majority spoke directly to Petiti on this call, and what we don't know is the mindset of those that were sitting back while others just spoke for yeah, them. They all are you know against I mean? them, I'm saying. I, the, the, the quote, a vast majority expressed their frustrations during the call. Um, it would take everyone demanding action now or this season, I think, for them to even think about it. What's interesting is Tony Petiti has the exclusive authority to determine whether or not a sportsmanship violation occurred in this instance. And it can be the standard uh, just fine where there's a, a couple game suspension possible, he can impose his own discipline there. Uh, or it can rise to a different level where he imposes discipline and then it goes before the executive committee that is filled with representatives from the conference and they have the authority to approve or they can reduce, they cannot add to said discipline. But what, what has to occur first is exactly what the NCAA did. The NCAA alerted the Big Ten, the Big Ten then alerted Michigan, that an investigation was started, that it was a, a beginning about this. The Big Ten would have to announce the same thing to Michigan. And, Chad, if or when that happens, that's when we know that Michigan isn't going to the Big Ten championship game. Until then, it's business as usual. Because it's on Petiti in the conference uh, as the, the 
governing body there to alert said program of what they're looking into. And then Michigan would have a chance to uh, give its own position on the alleged infractions. Yeah, and does he? I know the whole sportsmanship clause thing that if it's a violation of the sportsmanship standards or whatever, the Big Ten, then Tony Petiti right. can act. Now, I know that they can also appeal with a board, I think, and could hold that up as well. He could, he could. No, there's you, no appeal. The disciplinary decisions cannot be appealed based on uh, the way this would go. The, the appeal would happen at the NCAA infraction level, but this, this is. Judge, jury, executioner from the Big Ten perspective. Um, because Michigan would have the opportunity to present its position on the alleged infractions, but disciplinary decisions cannot be appealed. And that's from Adam Rittenberg. Yeah, it says the, uh, the league could initiate its own investigation into potential violations of the Big Ten sportsmanship policy. While Petiti has authority to dictate discipline, if it's beyond a standard level, it must be looked at by an executive committee that could approve, deny, or lessen that discipline. So there is right. an executive committee well, that's what in play. I said. Yeah, at, that's what Petiti. I'm saying. They can't add to it, but it's on Petiti, who has the authority to do it and then present it. Yeah, and then they decide to deny or lessen this one. Trey Wallace joins us next, right here on Outkick. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. I'm with Hunter Withrow, rolls on across the Outkick Network. Joined by Trey Wallace of Outkick.com, our senior college football reporter. Trey, good to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, guys, doing well. Uh, happy to join you guys. And uh, there's not much going on in college football, right? That's so right. We're... Slow time. Crazy. We need, we need things to pick up here, Trey. Come on. Let's did, go. Been discussing a lot about uh, Michigan. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, uh, in your recent uh, work at Outkick, uh, so there's a debate of whether or not the caller for Dabo Sweeney's coach's show was a plant. Yeah, there, there, there has been – I've heard multiple national shows talking about this. Um, I even dabbled in a little bit of local Clemson radio uh, okay. this week. And uh, yeah, they were they were wondering if this was a plant gone wrong, meaning they wanted to set up the question, but Dabo took it to the extreme and went off script, uh, which which I find laughable because I you know you guys know I know how these coaches shows go down. Oh yeah, um, you know the you know the caller is going to ring in, he's going to give you you know the producer is going to ask him, hey, what are you going to ask the coach and He's going to give some answer. It's probably not the truth because he wants to get on live radio and try to catch the coach off guard. And uh, I think that's exactly what happened this week uh, with Dabo Sweeney. And then, in Dabo's words, he went Old Testament on Tyler from Spartanburg, uh, which which he did, and uh, it's caused a a lot of uh, a lot. I don't controversy is probably not the right word, but a lot of talk about where Clemson's at and Dabo Sweeney's at right now in his career. 
Old Testament, when Old Testament on him. Uh, back in the day, Chad, you would, I would read off the callers' questions, or you would, we would replay some of the callers for the Jeremy Pruitt show, um, and Chad oh. would read from the from the transcript, and it was epic. No, knowing an East Tennessee accent, well, I would read off in the East Tennessee accent, and we, we would go into it. Uh, some real, some fake. I feel like at times. Uh, Boys, those are memorable days, by the way. Memorable days, by the way. Oh, no, no doubt. So, Trey, it's um, you know, we talked about this with with Shane Beamer also. Uh, he goes off in a post game press conference about his guys not executing, coaches doing everything right, and we talked about it that week and said, let's see how they respond. Well, they didn't respond well. Uh, they were down big in the next game. I think it's Missouri after that. I, I do watch some of this stuff with Dabo and hear some of the things he's saying and. I think where he went a little too far was, hey, if the president and AD don't like what I'm doing here, great, tell me to leave. I'll go somewhere else. I don't think you should say that when you're making $11.5 million and talk about going somewhere else. How do you yeah. think this team and his players respond to this? Going into Notre Dame this week, what do we see from Clemson given everything surrounding that program and their head coach? Yes, yeah, see, I, I, don't know, I don't know what – he could have said that's going to change things from where they are in the season already. I mean, they're four and four on the season. So what, you know, I, I'm sure he had to come to Jesus meeting, you know, two weeks ago, no pun intended or anything like that towards Dabo, but I I'm sure he had that type of meeting and they didn't respond. I mean, they lost to NC state last weekend. Uh, it really wasn't close for most of the game. And then they, they put a little comeback on, but, but I don't know, like this is the type of thing that can spark a locker room, like him going off on a fan in, in talking about where the program's at and what he's done in the past. I don't see how that really translates to how the team is going to play on the field. I, you know, Notre Dame is a tough matchup and and, and I expect Sam Hartman to come in and throw the football around. My my thing right now is if Notre Dame comes in and, and boat races Clemson, you know, do they make a bowl game this year? Like, can you, can, you know, I'm sure, I think they probably have a patsy left on the schedule in the month of November, but that's going to be tough. So, I mean, you, you go from, you know, you go from everything that happened this week and now you're looking at it. And, and if you catch another L to Notre Dame, which I, I think they are a noontime game, uh, at Clemson, you might as well pre-tape that darn show on Sunday because, you know, it could honestly get worse on Monday. I, I just – this season's been going downhill for a while now. I, I don't think that a a rant against Tyler from Spartanburg is is going to spark the locker room. I, 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 don't, I You know, I'm not there, but speaking with enough folks, um, I don't want to say Dabo's lost the team – but the motivation inside that locker room completely different, obviously, compared to where it was, you know, even six, seven weeks ago. Yeah, there there is no uh, easy win uh, left for Clemson. They've got Notre Dame followed by Georgia Tech, uh, UNC, and South Carolina. That's their <laughs> remaining uh, schedule uh, to to end out the season. Uh, the schedule's ramping up a bit for Georgia. Missouri, Ole Miss, and Tennessee. Uh, as far as this week is concerned, Missouri, they go between the hedges. We know that the offense can put up points. We know that the defense can get after the quarterback. Uh, we know that based on what we saw against Georgia recently by Missouri. Trey, the question would be, as far as the upcoming schedule is concerned, I think we all feel like Georgia's starting to hit their stride based on what we've just seen. Yeah. Is this a possible roadblock or is this Georgia full throttle, 
going right through Missouri because it's it's a very intriguing storyline because of the college football playoff narrative. I think I, I think Georgia catches an L in the next three weeks. I, I don't know who that's to. My my mind is thinking Tennessee catches them in Knoxville. But I, I, I sit there and watch Georgia play against Florida and the way that they were able to use that offense without Brock Bowers stands out to me. Um, it, it almost seemed like they didn't miss a beat. And Brock Bowers, probably the best player in the country, you know, besides that quarterback spot that everybody loves. But I, I, I look at the, the, the schedule right now. Missouri's going to present a challenge this weekend. Um, I, I think that, you know, Brady Cook's going to be able to pass the football how much is going to be interesting. What does Georgia give him when it comes to the secondary? Give him 10, 15 yard outs or whatnot, you know, and, and can Missouri establish a, a rushing attack to kind of offset that? I mean, look, Missouri's not really, Missouri's not a joke. Like, I, I don't think this is like a fake number 12 team in the country this year. Like, I, I do think Missouri is a pretty darn good football team. Luther Bowden on the outside, the kid's amazing at the wide receiver spot. And Brady Cook, what he's been able to do this year under Eli Drinkwitz, I do think that the, the ranking, you know, fits the right spot. Now, could chaos happen? We've seen chaos happen in Athens. You guys remember a couple of years ago, South Carolina went into Athens and, and you know, Rodrigo Blankenship misses that field goal uh, in overtime and South Carolina pulls out the win uh, when they weren't ranked. So, I mean, we, we've we seen crazy things happen at Athens. I don't know if it's going to come from Missouri, though. I think the offensive probably the 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 dynamic the dynamic team that's going to come into Athens happens next week. I think when you bring Lane Kiffin and Ole Miss into Athens with that offense, if Jackson Dart can get going at the, at the quarterback spot, Jenkins running the football, I think that's where maybe, you know, the the tougher offensive opponent comes from because I think Missouri can play defense with Georgia. So that's what makes this game intriguing to me. I want to see the Missouri front seven. I think offensive-wise, if we're going back and forth in a game, I think that comes when Kiffin comes to town next weekend, and then Georgia's got to follow that up with a trip to Knoxville. So for everybody that 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 was talking about Georgia's schedule, including me, you know, how many cupcakes are on it, you know, the fact that they've only played one ranked team this year, and that was Kentucky at the time. Now we're about to see if Georgia is national championship material this season. Uh, with with games against 12th ranked Missouri, you're going to play. Uh, I think it was 10th ranked Ole Miss. Then you're going to play at Tennessee. Don't forget Georgia Tech, who somehow beat North Carolina right. last weekend. Um, so I, I think this is the gauntlet right here that kind of sets us up to where we're going to find out about Georgia because Florida really didn't put up much of a challenge last weekend for the Bulldogs after the first five to six minutes. But um, I, I do think things get very interesting for the Bulldogs over the next three weeks. Well, and Ole Miss is kind of the forgotten one-loss team right now, still in the mix. Um, they go, and a lot of that is because everyone knows they're going to be playing Georgia here soon. They host right. A&M this weekend. They're only a field goal favorite in that game, Trey. Uh, that surprised me a little bit. A&M's playing for bowl eligibility. They're 5-3 and three coming in this game. What do you think specifically about that matchup before Ole Miss heads out to take on Georgia? Uh, give me Jimbo versus Lane Kiffin all day, every day. I, 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 if if this thing gets out of control for Texas A and M, Lane Kiffin is going to pull out his sword and he is going to put a dagger into Jimbo Fisher if he can. 
That's what I'm looking forward to this game. I think Texas A&M defense is really good, um, but you can't back it up on the offensive side, so you're getting kind of left out in the open. I think Ole Miss, one of those teams that can pass the football, can run the football as well, Lane Kiffin's going to try to get a little dicey when it comes to his play calling this weekend, try to split things up between rushing and passing. But I love I, a 12 o'clock kickoff on Saturday, this matchup, Lane does Lane does not like Jimbo Fisher. This is not for show. This is not for sound bites. Lane doesn't like Jimbo. So when they meet this weekend in Oxford, it's going to be very interesting to see if Texas A&M can keep up with Ole Miss in their quarterback spot because – Guys, I don't know about you. I don't trust Max Johnson at quarterback right now for AM. It just doesn't feel like that system with Bobby Petrino is, is working out for him, even though he's a good quarterback. I just don't know how that translates going on the road to, to Oxford on Saturday. So I'm more I'm more ready for the post-game press conference to see what we get out of both the coaches. And if look, if Jimbo loses this one, they got a win against Abilene Christian in the month of November, and that'll get them to the their, their bowl game, and that's fine. But you lose this one, and then you back that up with maybe one more loss in the month of November, we're going to be having some weird conversations in terms of buyout probably the end of the month. Trey, where is your upset meter for LSU on the road against Alabama? I'm taking LSU straight up. I think LSU beats Alabama. I think that I, I know that defensive-wise, and bear with me here, I know defensive-wise, LSU has not been strong this season, and I get that. I think this is one of those games where Harold Perkins kind of pins his ears back, goes after Jalen Milrow. The biggest thing for me, if LSU is going to win, is can they contain Jalen Milrow in the pocket? If you can contain Jalen Milrow in the pocket and make him try to pass the football around, I think that's where LSU can succeed in this game on defense. But you let him get out, you get open, and, and Jalen Milrow is making plays with his legs – I think that's what's going to make LSU susceptible to getting beat this weekend. I, I just I've watched enough Alabama. I've watched enough LSU. Jaden Daniels could be the X factor in this one. Obviously, I'm not going out on a limb to say that. But the other one is how much pressure do they put on the Alabama offensive line? Can they get after Jalen Miro? And the biggest thing too, I'll leave it to this: if they can start the game, I trust LSU more to start the game like Tennessee did two weeks ago and actually finish in the second half compared to where Tennessee was and they weren't able to finish and Alabama finally got a hold of them. So, you know, if LSU gets out to a lead, Jaden Daniels, that offense, it is dangerous. And maybe this is the Heisman moment uh, for Daniels and uh, Brian Kelly down to Baton Rouge. Trey, I think we're going to have a number of crazy moments in Bedlam this weekend between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. The final installment of that rivalry series for who knows when. Now that Oklahoma is leaving the Big 12, what do you think about Gundy's chances of pulling another upset against Oklahoma in the final game on the Sooners' way out to the SEC? They got the quarterback to do it. And I'll tell you this, Commissioner Brett Yormack of the Big 12 would probably love nothing more than Oklahoma State to beat Oklahoma this weekend and probably you know prevent Oklahoma from, from getting in a playoff spot, um, which would be the catalyst of a loss here. Uh, but also, let's not forget, there's a Big 12 title game that we're talking about as well um, that, that Oklahoma is trying to qualify for. You got Iowa State and Kansas that are playing for one of the spots in the Big 12. So I, it's going to get I, – I hate to see Bedlam go away. 
I love this rivalry. I think college football is great when you have rivalries like this. Um, I would hope down the road, once teams both get settled into their conferences, you know, Big 12 already with Oklahoma State, but Oklahoma with the SEC, maybe we can fire this thing back up. But look, after losing to my South Alabama Jaguars to open the season, Oklahoma State's actually played some pretty decent football. And, and I think this is another opportunity after what we saw last week with Kansas beating Oklahoma. There's ways you stop Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. And I think Oklahoma is going to try to get after him. And if they can, this game is going to be Bedlam. And I'm excited for it. And uh, either way, I'd be tuning in just for the last one. And I'm kind of glad that it's at Oklahoma State. Probably going to be a bit more spicier this weekend than normal. That's right. Uh, Trey Wallace has all of college football covered for you at Outkick.com. Check out the Trey Wallace podcast available at Outkick as well. Trey, thank you as always, man. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah, guys, you guys enjoy the weekend too. appreciate y'all and probably just wait about another hour and you'll get more news about Connor Stallions and Michigan. So can't wait for the next photo drop for his game at Eastern Michigan. He was out scouting next. It's going to be great. Green and white. Instead Thanks, of, right. That's right. It, Thanks, Chad, guys. Instead of the sunglasses, it'll be like the uh, the button on the shirt that'll be flashing. <laughs> you know, the undercover. He's going to have a huge belt buckle, yeah. cowboy style, and it's just going to have a little device on it, a little camera device in the middle of it you're going to see. Coming up, we'll pick our poison. Not many, uh, in fact, no great options here. Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter, Deshaun Watson, Davey Hudson asks us the question involving those three quarterbacks. That's next Gross. on Hot Mike. Sixth and Peabody, our location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. I'm out with Henry Withrow rolls on. Chad, uh, it is the weekend. It is. Thursday's arrived. Thursday night football tonight. Pittsburgh hosting Tennessee. Well done, everyone. Look at you. Made it all the way to the end of the week. I had to pay for another appliance this morning. Just another day. It's just another weekday this morning. But once I got to the show, the so weekend began. Is it? I, I'm assuming it's very common when you build a home or if you replace... If you if you have uh, if you're flipping one for Airbnb or whatever, that when you replace the appliances, they all pretty much like die out, crap out, all at the same time. Or you're, I mean, you're going through this right I, now. I, I guess home was built uh, going on 11 years ago, and we've had the same washer and dryer, and the washer is just completely done, and it's no warranty on it, so it's you know twenty two hundred dollars, I think, for a washer uh, now that that we're out. I said this yesterday. I, I would really like to see a system in place where everyone that's in the repair industry, and I love my repair people that come out to my house that I have to call for certain things. Great to have a handyman out there, right? Everybody needs a good handyman. I would rather the people that are repairing things, more of them leave to go get paid to help engineer and work on the products that we're buying and build them in a better manner where we don't have to have them repaired. As much. I'd, I'd rather have that. I'd pay a premium to have something that lasts 20 years instead of 10 years. I mean, I, I think a lot of it has to do with the plastic. You know, they're going with cheaper materials yeah. for shipping purposes. That cuts down on shipping costs. And, Chad, that leads to uh, a problem with the product. I just think one thing feeds the other. Right? Like, it's one and they big also, cycle like, to, like, right. make sure that we're just always spending money. And it's spending yeah. money on things You're that no one wants to piece. spend money on. And I get it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and cry about it. Everyone, something breaks, you got to have, you got to go get a new one, right? I mean, I, it, that's part of life. 
But I feel like there is a system in place to build things in a cheap way in order to keep people spending exorbitant amounts of money on products that should last a good five to ten years longer than they do. That's the issue that I have right now. And I don't want to put repair people out of work or anything. I would just like for those repair people to have jobs working for companies and some of these big companies that build appliances, build HVAC units or whatever, and they can do them in a way that I'm not having to call said repair person every three months to come out and do something. So I'm reading here, uh, USA Today did this uh, a few years back. So if your appliance breaks down after just 10 years, it was likely an appliance that replaced a model that lasted 30 years. But that, that model in 1981 cost you a full paycheck to buy that new appliance. And an equivalent model now is just a third of your paycheck today on average. Well, everybody's saying that I'm you know, lighting me up on the YouTube, uh, acting like I'm a Rockefeller because I'm spending $2,200 on a washer. Man, it must be some washer. This is the info I've been given. Oh, no. If you think that I do laundry in my household, you are sadly mistaken. Uh, I do not. I think I can. No, no, I, the washer don't, I don't think I've ever done laundry uh, in my house. So what I do is I go to my wife and say, get what you want, whatever works best for you. And the number that I was spit back to me in a, in a text was, that'll be $2,300, I believe, was the price for the, the washer that we're going with. It's a front load. That makes a difference, I, I think. Know. I don't know. That makes it easier. I've been told front load is good. Um, it's not the brand that we just have to replace. I know that. That's I'm I'm happy with that decision. Maybe your mind to not go back to last you thirty years. Maybe that's what you want. I guess I, I'm hoping so for for this amount of money. I mean, my first vehicle was three thousand dollars. <laughs> my grandfather, my grand David Gherkin, great man. That not Gherkin spelled like the pickle, different spelling. Okay, terrific man. Bought all of his grandkids their first car. He basically uh, haggled with some guy at his work on a 1990 Navy blue Jeep Cherokee that he bought, I think for 2,800 or $3,000 in 2023, my grand rest in peace, not with us anymore. But if I had to tell my grand that in 2023, I'm going to be buying a washer, not a washer and dryer, a washing machine for the same amount of money as he bought that 1990, that beautiful piece of machinery that lasted me throughout high school, not, not beyond, but that I'm going to sp- spend almost the same amount on that as he did that vehicle, what would he be saying? He would be saying, um, Chad, well done at work. I mean, this is crazy. That's what he would be saying. I- I'm having to rethink everything now. Jan, yes, his name is Jan in our YouTube chat, says uh, uh, the front load that he has is about $1,000. So this is the set then? This isn't just the Oh, no, no, the no. No, the dryer's fine. We're not getting a new dryer. It's just the washer. Okay. Uh, I'll, Davey's I'll over there just, uh, you know, Davey is, is like uh, grand right now, thinking about the prices of this. I'm going to be honest. I zoned out about five minutes ago. Oh, here it is. So my wife is texting me. She, she's listening. I knew she would, if she was listening, she would chime in. New washer is all metal. That's why it's so expensive. They last 25 years. Guaranteed. I like that part of it. Um, and she says, I've, I've shopped for the best deal, and this is the best deal. Hey, I'll take it. This is exactly the plan I'm talking about here. This is my new deal. I'm FDR in this whole thing. Yeah, but we're you're buying other goods. appliances too now, though. Well, no, we're just buying the one. My problem is with all the repairs, my HVAC and everything else, which I, some of that. You just got a car? Yeah, yeah. had to buy, I had to get that too. I mean, I'm not going to go with one car. McDonald's for the team. The McDonald's was, uh, really took a hit out of me. We're having a, a damn pizza party next week also. <laughs> 
I'm telling you. Um, no, I, I will. I will vouch for Angie that she does shop for the right deal. And I again, I try. If she tells me twenty three hundred dollars is the best we're going to do, or the best line of Let it fun, last. let's good. let's get it. Twenty five years. This is what I'm asking for. Let's get things that last longer. If you tell me I'm spending twenty three hundred dollars on one washer for twenty five years, or I'm going to spend fifteen hundred dollars on a washer two or three times in that time period, right? Or at least twice. Give me the one that I don't have to replace. I'm all for it. We, uh, we're going to have to pick our poison. Chad's going to have to do this uh, with the, the washer, on, uh, pick his poison on whether or not he wants a, a washer that's so expensive it's going to go to his new home whenever they build it instead of leaving it behind or going cheap thinking that it'll be a new washer somewhere else. Maybe not. I mean, I'm just getting torched in the YouTube chat right now. Chad's going to be able to you know, uh, drive. So- <laughs> drive uh, this thing will be able to – it's a, on land or water for you. Yeah. I, it's submersible. It's a- it's a yeah, it's a amphibious yes. uh, uh, a washer. Someone Chad, did you saying, hear Davey tuned us out about five minutes ago? Sorry, well, it's oh, he did. did you hear that? It's, uh, par for the course, right? One yeah. trying to be mean, but here's how I view this: like I, I'm still a renter, so I, I don't really have Davey to worry. Davey thinks this is his show. No, yeah. no, I just I, I don't have to worry about these. Davey, problems. most of our audience they're adults. See, they, yeah, they see, understand that, that, problems of other right. adults. I totally right get that. Now, yeah, and and I. I you know, you talk to kids a lot of times and you're telling them like you're trying to give them life lessons that they should actually be paying attention to when it comes to this. And it's just like it just doesn't sink in with them. That's me when it comes to home appliances. Well, just understand that this is something that one day it could be, you know, eight years from now, could be 18 years from now. You're going to look up one day and you're going to be bitching to some repair person about the price of something. And you're going to think back to this moment right here. And you're going to go say, damn it, I should have listened to Chad and Hutton in that discussion about appliances and their cost, and you lost out because of that. Yeah, I've. I've I'm being accused of elite, uh, being elitist in the chat. Also, so that must just be a drop in the bucket to chat. Washing, washing machine cost price range for a great washer. Uh, this was posted uh, on oh, April fifth, twenty twenty three. Thirteen hundred to two grand. Well, twenty three hundred, great deal. Apparently, is what I'm getting. <laughs> I don't. I don't know. There is no great deal with the quarterbacks Davies about to ask us no. about with Pick Your Poison. My buddy Jimmy's got a washer and dryer for 500 chat. He might be able to hook you up. That was on Craigslist. He posted <laughs> it. Um, there were some open box deals that I was uh, considering. Uh, you have to go and get it. in the side of it? I'll be honest, too. Like The ability for someone to deliver it to my home and put it in and not, not me having to get people to move it in and do all of that, yeah. that's a big part of it, too. Like I just have to open the door for someone. And they're going to put it all in and explain the whole process. That's that's top notch. All right, guys. Even though I now have a truck, <laughs> I could have used it. <laughs> Continue. Sorry. Uh, starting pick your poison off. I, I refer to this one as you got one last breath. And what's happening is the game is on the line, and you got to get one of these quarterbacks to get you the win. Who are you picking? Your options are Jordan Love, Desmond Ritter. And Deshaun Watson. Man, this is tough. Um, it's Deshaun Watson, again, because I'm kind of going back the, to the default of I've seen him perform yeah. at a high level perfor- before. So while he hasn't done it in three years, and he certainly hasn't done it as a Brown, he at least has done it before. Um, if you put Joe Flacco, who's not currently in the league in this, this list, I'd probably go with him because I've seen it. I've yet to see it from Ritter or Jordan Love. So I got to go with Watson on this yes, one. Yes, uh, it's it's Deshaun Watson by default, uh, just because Jordan Love. I mean, the game's on the line for the Packers in the first half. They can't score in the first half. They're down. They're not in a position to go win. Uh, and Desmond Ritter, uh, it's everyone but him that you want with the game on the line with the Falcons' offense, not him. 
Uh, not even Arthur Smith anymore. Now it's Taylor Heineke. So uh, it's by default that it's Watson, even though we haven't seen it in several years from him. You're not going to give anything to Deshaun Watson. So you're, no, go he's ahead. been terrible. Say it. Desmond I, I, Ritter. De, uh, no, Jordan Love. He, he had a great start to the season. It's not been great. But I think right now, this year, from what I've seen, I, I would go with Jordan Love. I mean, again, it's it's terrible decisions all around. Um, That's a good question. You did but, you did your job with the question for that reason. All bad choices, which is good. Yeah, um, but but yeah, that's um, I hear you. I, I mean, I, for for Browns fans, I know they're hoping Deshaun Watson finally breaks through. It'll be interesting if he gets the start. I know there's uh, some questions that he could be able to go. We'll we'll find out more later on that. But uh, for our next one, titled this one, My Own Prison, and your NFL team's coach for the like next five years <laughs> is Josh McDaniels, Hugh Jackson, or Urban Meyer. Which one are you picking? Chad, um, <laughs> I have seen a couple of these coaches fail when given multiple opportunities. By and large, when Urban Meyer's the coach, he's a winner. Say it. Do and it. I would hope that at least he could look back on what has happened with Josh McDaniels and Hugh Jackson and, and actually believe, you know what? I'm going to do it in a different manner than what I did in Jacksonville. I'm not going to kick that kicker at practice. I'm not going to act like this is college football in the National Football League. I'm taking Urban Meyer of these. Hutton, we are two for two in agreement. I'm going Urban Meyer also. The guy has failed one time in his career. Yes, it was his one NFL head coaching job, but also we have to keep in mind the Jags were losers when he got there. I, I'm not looking to the Jaguars players as the ultimate arbiter of all things that are right in coaching. They were not good. They didn't really understand what good coaching was either. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not putting I, I'm not cutting him off the hook or any of that. He was terrible and made bad decisions. But if I'm picking someone that's going to get it right the next go around, I'm going with the guy who's had way more success than the others. Give me Urban Meyer. I'm not going to go out and hang out with the blonde after Thursday night football. You know what? I will fly back with the team this time. I will. That bar in uh, uh, Mazalon, Ohio can wait. I don't even know if I pronounced it right. Whatever well it is. I would, Tyler can correct me if, if I'm wrong. I would take Hugh Jackson. And my only reasoning is because in this scenario, he's not in Cleveland. And he was 8-8 eight and eight when he wasn't at Cleveland. 8-8 so, eight eight with the Raiders? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So maybe somewhere else. Again, not a great option, but... I, I'd give him another chance. And then finally, guys, you got to make a sacrifice. So the sacrifice is uh, you're never able to drink alcohol again or you're never able to have dessert foods again. Um, I, this is difficult. Yeah. I'd probably say never have alcohol again um, I, because I'm, I'm going to crave sugar more. And maybe that's the sugar and alcohol at times, too. But I'd give up the alcohol and keep desserts if I had. And maybe I'm also blinded by Halloween candy right now. Mm. But I'm giving up alcohol and you going to sugar dessert. high right now. You have a sugar buzz. That's right. Yeah, I'm just. Uh, I'm doing the opposite. I'm 90 percent Reese's for pieces right now. alone. Like I, I, I'm not a big Chad knows this. Not a big dessert guy to begin with. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I would give up desserts. And I, I could do that on on other questions here too, not just with alcohol. I could be, fast for a week if he needed to. Food yeah. is nothing to this guy. It's amazing how he can just give up food. He just gives up meals at a time. Didn't, didn't even think about it. Oh, I forgot to eat lunch and breakfast. Oh, great. I guess I'll eat something for dinner. That's it's incredible. to do. 
I, I mean, props I'm to never you, not thinking about liquid my next diet, meal. Jet, liquid I, diet. I think I'm about my next meal while I'm eating my current. Absolutely. Meal. What what's for dinner? I'm thinking about that when I'm I'm scrambling eggs in the morning. Chad's about to go get nachos right now. Uh, you do have me hungry for nachos. A little queso, be great. I bet there's some Halloween candy in this joint somewhere too. <laughs> Probably there is. A lot make of it all happen. Oh, there a is. A lot of it. Yes, we'll bring it in here if we need to. Weekend, baby. Coming up, it's the weekend. What Dan Dockage had to say about the passing of Bobby Knight. That's next, right here on Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs> 